You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to those of you that are here this morning. If you're a guest or you're joining us online, we're glad to be where you are and we hope to be able to connect with you. For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is David Bigelow. I'm the youth pastor here and I'm excited to share with you this morning on Father's Day weekend. And I know Dave gave out some gifts at the beginning of the service today for some different things of just dads and father figures and things like that. But as I was sitting in communion, I saw just a a dad that I just wanted to recognize this morning for wearing like the coolest dad shirt in the building today. Hey, Sonny, in the back, uh, I want to recognize your shirt back there, man. Mr. Dickerson, you're killing it with that shirt. Uh, And I really appreciate that thing. Anyway, hey, so do this for me real quick. Um, Did I say your name right? What is it? Stan. Stan. Sonny, Stan, you're the ray of sunshine this morning, brother. (laughs) Thanks for wearing that sweet shirt, my man. Hey, Uh, Children fifth grade and under, go ahead and make your way downstairs so you can enjoy your time in Clubhouse. We're so excited for what God's doing in your life and the things that are happening there in our lower level. Every week we see kids just continuing to fill that space down there. And I know that Brandon's going to talk about VBS at the end of today. And we are so excited for the opportunity for our community to come and to learn what it means to trust and to follow Jesus in that way. Last weekend, we started a brand new series as we looked at these questions that come to our minds that oftentimes we struggle with maybe asking um, because the questions are difficult. Um, The questions oftentimes we try to ask for a friend. Maybe you've seen that online. Someone do that on Facebook, right, where we throw it out there and we don't want to be embarrassed for the reason why we're asking that question. But in this series, we're looking at it a little bit differently because what we're looking at is we're taking something that used to be a part of our old life before Christ and we're matching that up against this new life that God calls us to. Rather, what we're looking at is what the world deems as normal. Is that really the way in which God desires for me to live? Or is there something else in mind? I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to two places for me this morning. If you don't have one, there's one there in the seat back in front of you, Ephesians chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 2. You can use that thumb and you can use that index finger. That's the two places we're primarily going to be looking at today. And what we're going to be talking about specifically is this role of manhood. And I believe it's an important question for us to ask because more than ever in this gender and role-confused world, the question is out there, at least certainly by our actions, is it okay for me to be a man? Is it okay for me to live the biblical model that God has set for me? You see, because far too often in our culture today, we see those who are in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and older struggling with what it actually means to be a biblical man. Certainly, culture and modern-day cartoons and the things of Facebook and social media have not helped with this at all, because oftentimes father figures, males, are depicted as dumb or absent or simply just an ATM for their children. But thankfully, God's word does not leave the role of biblical manhood up to question. Rather, he gives us clear insight and an invitation that he has paved with his grace. 
And here's the kicker for it all. It's through our surrender to his plan and his desires for our life that men who once were boys live the model in which he desires. Fellas, my hope this weekend is that this would not be a bashing time in the service where we continue to leave feeling so inadequate, but rather that this would be a rally cry for us as men to step up to the plate, to live faithfully, to engage God's grace, and to be what the world so desperately needs. And that's men who understand that they are men. Ladies, before you tune out or before you start throwing those jabs at your husband as we walk through things, or even for our younger generation today, I I want you to lean in in the same way. I want you to see this biblical roadmap of manhood because more than anything, I want for us to know what an imposter looks like because there are many that claim to be a man but are far from it. And I want us to be able to know that clearly and to be able to identify what a true man is. And so with that, let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. We are grateful for the reality of what you have done, for the truth of how you continue to move. And Lord, this morning as we look into your word, may we be transformed and motivated by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help us to dig in, to see what you have in store for us, that we would be the men that you call us to be. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So in culture today, one of the big problems that we have when it comes to manhood is that we continue to push the age of manhood further and further back, right? We've seen this over the years as the teenage years, the young college years, they've become times of experimenting or just trying things out or being out and living the wildlife so that way we can eventually settle down. But instead, that season has the opportunity to be the time in which we learn the most. You see, the Bible describes that growing into manhood as a process that occurs between puberty and the age of 20. We see this indicated in the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 2 when he was 12 years old. And it's actually kind of a funny story because uh, this is the time in which Jesus uh, was left behind in Jerusalem by Mary and Joseph. And when I was reading this like before I became a father, I remember looking at that and thinking to myself, how in the world did they forget Jesus? Like how did they leave him behind? But as a dad now, especially of two children, um, and certainly with the experience that we had on vacation last week at Ripley's Aquarium in Myrtle Beach, I totally get how you could leave a child behind in such a crowded place, right? Like sometimes we look at that and we're like, no way. But seriously, that place was so packed, I didn't even know if Sam was with me or he was with the sharks. I mean, they were stuffed everywhere. And so for Mary and Joseph, they recognize that Jesus wasn't with them. They come running back. And this is what's important for us to notice is that when they find Jesus, they don't find Jesus sitting in the alley at 12 years old making mud pies. Uh, They don't find him out there fighting with sticks in the street, right? What do they find him doing? He's sitting in the temple. He's listening to teaching. He's asking questions that the religious leaders at that point in time were saying, who is this kid? Where does he get such knowledge from? And as we see in his life, he continued to grow from there. Luke chapter two, verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. 
Notice this pathway of biblical manhood that Jesus took. He matured mentally. He matured physically. He matured in his relationship with the heavenly father. And then also he matured socially with those around him. Ephesians 4 gives us a call on our life today from the Apostle Paul. Look with me there in verse 1. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you have a pen or a highlighter or something to write with, I encourage you to underline that or make a note of that in your journal or on the side of your outline. Be completely humble and gentle Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is the foundation for it all. Because there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father, important word there, of all who is over all, through all and in all. As we look at this word father, I believe that it stands out so much in this text, especially when we look at the context of what the text is talking about and this call that we're to have in our lives. The word father can mean many different things, such as a founder, a source, a chief, or a leader. We use the word father of a nation, right? Or father of a company, or a father of an invention. And throughout scripture, we see God himself call himself father, meaning that God is identifying himself as the source. And what is it that God is the source of? God is the source of it all. All of it comes from him. So the foundation of biblical manhood is to recognize that God is the one in whom we get it all from. And with that said, God created fatherhood with the eternal purpose to reveal and to represent himself. Keep in mind that because we just read this text, God did not look to fathers and say, I am like them. Rather, God who was already a father, who was in the beginning, who has always been in existence, intentionally created man with the role of fatherhood, with the role of manhood to reveal who he is and to show his nature. We get to see this on display in creation. Look with me in Genesis chapter two as God creates Adam and he begins to give him responsibilities of what it means to be a man. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And then the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Look here to see what God gives Adam first. After creating him, it says that he's given him the responsibility to care for the garden. Why? It's because men are at their best when they're responsible for something. Men find the most freedom. 
Men find the most fulfillment. Men find the most happiness when we are responsible for something. And when we live a life of non-responsibility, that's when we begin to feel as if the rug is being pulled out from underneath of us. As we see here, all of it boils down to the fact that when we're entrusted with something, we're empowered by a higher authority, this gives us the blessing of receiving the fruit from that responsibility, or we get to experience the disappointment and the consequences of doing it poorly. I often talk about gardening because I wish I was a good gardener, but I am not. I am a terrible gardener, uh, especially now with children. I have no time for gardening, but I love the idea of gardening. In fact, gardening was a big part of me coming to faith in Jesus Christ and looking at the way that God causes things to grow out of the ground. And I had a great mentor that talked to me and led me through that. But when I think about gardening, it's a great example of responsibility put on display, right? So if I go out and I put a tomato seed in the ground or a little tomato plant, because I don't grow it from the seed, I'm not that cool. But if I put the tomato plant into the ground and all I do is just walk away and never tend to it, never cage it, never water it, never prune it, never pick the tomatoes, never live responsibly for said plant, what's going to happen to the plant? It's going to die. It's going to die. It's not going to produce fruit. And if it does produce fruit, I'm not going to be able to experience it because I've not taken responsibility for it. Now, the flip side of that, if I do take care of said tomato plant and I tend it and I care for it and I water it when the day is hot and I go out and I pick the tomatoes, I get to enjoy the fruit of eating BLTs all summer long, right? With real fresh tomatoes, not those plastic tomatoes from JC's store. I get to have the real tomatoes and it's wonderful and it's great. The same thing is true in our life today. If we are not intentional to care for the things that we have been entrusted with, then we are gonna find that we continue to miss out on the blessing of what it means to receive the fruit that God has for us. You see, for Adam, God gave him three things to care for in the garden. One of the responsibilities he was given was to maintain the hedge. And I always think that that's really appropriate for Father's Day weekend because dads always get that rap about mowing their yard right and getting all the lines in their yard and all of those things. I know that that's a great and wonderful thing. But for Adam, if you look here in the text, God specifically gives him the responsibility of taking care of the land. And from that, God gives him the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Notice that the purpose of work, even in the Garden of Eden, was never meant to be life-robbing but rather it was intended to be life-giving. But what have we done with work in our life today? We often look at work and the responsibilities that we have as things in which we don't wanna wake up and do or we're just too tired or I'm not getting fulfillment or even worse, we hide our identity inside of the work that we do. And so when we lose that job, when things hit the fan, what happens to our identity as a man? We feel like we've lost it. You see, God's desire is not that we would work for acceptance, but rather that we would work from the acceptance that he has given to us. Because it's God who is the source of it all. The reason why we have that job, the reason why we have that family, the reason why we have that responsibility is because of him. He's the one. And he desires for us to delight in those responsibilities. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 
Verse 12, it says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil or in their work, because this is a gift from God. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that's their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? The next thing that God gives to Adam is the instruction for him to lead his heart. Look again, it says, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You see, what God is doing here, he's setting the table for Adam to understand the responsibility that he has to set his heart. As men, we have the responsibility to lead our hearts. Colossians 3 teaches us some parameters in which our heart can be led in. It says, since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Ephesians 4.2 says that we should be completely humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another in love. Now, as I say those words, I recognize that for the man or just for the individual in general, those things don't come easy, right? Gentleness, patience, love for one another, humility are things that are difficult for us to lead ourselves in especially when our blood starts to boil, especially when we start to feel inadequate or when we feel like we're up against the wall, right? We lash out, we get anxious, we get frustrated. But those are not things in which God has called us to set our heart in. Rather, because of what Jesus has done, because God being the Father and the source of it all, he has called us to lean into him and to be these things. God's desire is for us to not allow pride or anger or bitterness or anxiousness to rule our hearts and minds, but rather a man who is humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another in love speaks and acts with maturity. Notice Luke chapter six talks about where all of these things come from. The good man brings good things out of the good treasured in his heart. The evil man, though, brings evil things out of the evil treasured in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Men, we want to be able to lead our families. We want to be able to lead in the workplace. We want to be able to live the life that God has called for us. We first need to recognize that he's given us responsibilities. But the second part of that is we need to be responsible for our heart. And the third piece in that is that God gives Adam and all men the responsibility to lead their home. Verse 18, back in Genesis chapter two, the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. Rather, I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. 
Verse 23 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman. Do you see his language there? He's taking responsibility for what it is that now he has been entrusted in. He's saying, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And then verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. You see, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see that a man at some point in his life, right, is called to leave his father and mother. And we see that there's several references to the fact that he will find a woman and be joined with a wife. And as someone who has been joined with a wife, there are things in which we are called to do as men to love her as Jesus loves the church, to be the spiritual leader of the home, to care for and to encourage the children that God has entrusted to us, to teach them to honor and to trust the Lord. But even if a man is never married or has children like the Apostle Paul, God has created him to be able to leave his home and to stand on his own two feet. Look, God does not define manhood on if you are married or not, or if you have children or not, but as a man, he has given you the responsibility to be able to care for someone else if that is to be the case. To not have to be cared for, but rather to be a caregiver. So many boys delay marriage because of their immature feelings and childlike faith. Single men who are young in this room, you have a great opportunity right now to learn character qualities and what it means to be a biblical man by surrounding yourself with men who are already faithfully walking with Jesus. Watch what they do. Listen to the way that they love their wives. See the way in which they provide and trust the Lord who is the giver of all things. You see the responsibility of the heart the home, and the hedge in everyday life is what builds up a man and those around him. I remember being a young man and getting ready to marry Kelsey. And uh, this was a crazy season of life where I was like 19 years old. And in my mind, I was like, I'm way too young to be getting married. I remember telling Kelsey, I can't marry when I'm a teen, right? I at least need to be 20 so that way I'm not a teen anymore, right? And I remember going through just my heart in the season where I wanted to make Kelsey my wife. And, and I remember going to her dad. And I remember already having this ring that I had purchased without ever even asking him if I could marry Kelsey at that point. And so I figured, well, I better ask him before I actually propose, right? So here I am, I'm nervous, I'm sweating in the driveway of his house and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him, right? And we're kind of doing that awkward dance that you do in the driveway. And I remember asking him, Paul, I'd love to marry your daughter. And he said, David, I I would love for you to be my son-in-law. But then he hit me with the sidewinder. He said, but before you do, I want to make sure that you can provide for her. So can you put together a budget, a spreadsheet? And if you know me, that's not my life, right? Um, Brandon literally has taught me everything I know about budgets and spreadsheets, even as a grown man at this point. And so I was like, yeah, I'll totally put together a budget and a spreadsheet to show you how I can provide for Kelsey. And then I started to kind of look at some of those numbers of like what rent costs 
and how much it is for her to go to school and uh, groceries for two people instead of one guy who just eats those little sausage links for three meals a day and those kind of things, right? Like I started looking at that and I was like, man, I don't make anywhere close to that kind of cash. And so I remember working two jobs. I remember working nights and then going to work at Cheddar's waiting tables because it was quick cash. I remember making decisions about schooling and things that I would do there so that way I could better afford the life that we lived. But still, I was stuck in this, I don't got nowhere to live. I'm still living at my dad's place. I want to take her and be in a home. And I just couldn't afford rent. Um, And it was Bob and Carol Rush. Um, Bob is our administrative assistant here. And I went to them and I remembered that Carol had this little sewing room on top of her garage, like 300 square feet, right? And I went to them and I asked, hey, would you mind if I moved into your sewing room? (laughs) I remember their hesitancy. They were like, well, and then I really brought it to a whole nother level. And I was like, well, can I move into your sewing room so that I can marry Kelsey and bring her into there too? And that was a whole nother thing. But here's what's so cool is that they said yes to that. And I consistently go back to that moment in my life, looking at this process of going from a boy into a man and taking responsibility for things. And it always reminds me that God is far more able to provide than I am. It might not always make sense. It might not always be what I dreamed it would be. But fellas, God is faithful. When we surrender to his plan and his desires and we take responsibility for the things that he has for us, he does provide. And I'm grateful for that season that we were able to have in that. But part of that is we've gotta be able to let go of the things of the past. We've gotta let go of being a child. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I talked about my son, Sam, just a minute ago. You know, he's two years old. He's just learned how to run, like sprint run. And uh, Sam loves to run from things that he doesn't like to do, such as turn the TV off or not come inside or run for me at the aquarium (laughs) or run so he doesn't have to get into bed. You see, my son runs from things that he doesn't want to do because he's a child. But sometimes so does his dad. You see, oftentimes I run from things like hard conversations or difficult emotions that I need to process in my life. Men, what do you run from? What are some of the childish things that keep you from being who God desires for you to be. Maybe for you, it's hiding up in the loft and playing video games all hours of the evening or watching Sports Center until you run out of time to talk with your wife about how her day was. Maybe you don't know where to begin with your children and so you neglect the responsibility to train and correct them because it's just easier that way. Maybe it's drinking in excess. Maybe it's smoking pot. Maybe it's hiding away and watching porn to try and to relax or to forget the responsibilities that you have in life. All the while, we reject the authority of God and we run from his plan. 
The truth is this, it's not okay to continue to live our lives as a child. God's spirit is calling us to stop running and to be present. Just as the word teaches, we need to identify and release any of this leftover childness from our past because our heavenly father is calling boys into manhood. He's calling women or girls into womanhood so that they may bear the image of God. That's one of our last points today. It's that a man bears the image of God to bring glory to God. Remember back in Genesis chapter one when God created the heavens, the sky, all of the things that we experience and all the things that we see around us? Well, then in verse 26, he says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You see, the reason why he formed man was to be a reflection of what it means to be a father, what it means to be a provider. And what an amazing honor and privilege and responsibility that is. And so in our life, we have the chance to own up to that, to represent our Father well, to live faithfully to Him and His plans. And I know we hear that, and a lot of times this is kind of where we check out because we feel like we'll never measure up, that we're too far gone, that our life as a boy just continues to live, or that we feel like we've made too many mistakes. And here's what it reminded me of this week. Men, you received a tape measure when you walked in the door, and I don't know what you're gonna measure with this little tape measure, because it's only 20 inches long. Maybe you can measure um, the size of your tomatoes in your garden, but whatever. But it reminded me of this tape measure and how oftentimes this is how um, we feel as, as men or we feel as individuals is we look at these tasks or these projects that we've been given and we look at just the largeness of them and we often feel like we just can never measure up to it, right? Like if I were to try to measure this cross over here and try to get to the top, you can see that about halfway up, my tape measure starts to struggle, it begins to run out and it's not gonna make it to the top of that. And so oftentimes, that's how we feel as men, just on our last bit of tape, don't know if we can get through another day, feeling completely inadequate. But here's my encouragement to you today, is that just as my tape measure wasn't able to make it all the way up the cross, so it is the case with God's grace. You see, there is no place that we can run to, there is no situation in which we can hide in, that does not escape the reality of what God's grace can cover. Yes, men, we have messed it up, but God's grace is sufficient in your life. And because of that, you can live differently today. Realize that God is never going to compromise on his expectations, nor is he ever gonna lower the bar. But instead, he calls us to our knees to surrender so that we would experience him through the power of Jesus. He's the source of it all. You see, God in his great wisdom, God in his great fatherhood and his great strength and his great grace and his love that is beyond measure when we fall short, it's that God who sent Jesus so that all men, all women would be able to live in the freedom from their past and to engage the responsibility of today as living faithful. Today, the gift of salvation is available 
for you to run to, that Jesus Christ is the champion in your life. And if you're wanting to make real change, it does not start with your grit. It starts with your surrender to the one who gives it all. Here in just a moment, you'll see a man who will come and do just that today, to say yes to what God's plan is in his life. And there's water ready for you. There's clothes ready for you if you're ready to take that next step as well. But maybe you just need to come and receive prayer today or to talk about what your next step as a man or a woman is in the surrender to what Jesus has done. Perhaps today is the day that you stop living in childlike, but rather you live responsible. As we worship together, know that the invitation is open for you to come and to say yes to God's plan and his desires of your life that have been paved with grace. Let's stand together and pray. Father, to you be the glory for the role, for the provision, and God, the responsibility of manhood. Lord, so many stories in this room this morning that look and sound different but God, we know that you're a part of all of those things. Father, for the men in this room that have had dads that have been absent and they've looked to you to lead them, I'm grateful for that. For the men in this room that feel like they are following right in their father's footsteps of walking in disobedience, I pray that those chains would be broken this morning. Father, for the men that continue to lead their homes as faithful followers of you, God, I pray that you would continue to show them the fruit that, Father, in the toil that they have, it is so difficult to see if they're doing it right. But, God, I'm grateful that they can look to you to be encouraged and be reminded of your power that's made perfect in their weakness for the young men in the room today that will one day lead a family or to lead in different aspects of their life. I pray that they would not do so just out of their own ability, but, God, that they would surrender to you because, God, you are the giver of it all. And we are far better in our lives when we trust you rather than ourselves. Thank you for being our champion, Jesus. Our hope, not only for this world, but for the future that is to come. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>